0: Good morning. Here we are again on a Sunday morning. Praise God we have some sunshine today to enjoy. Some warmer temperatures. But God is good, is He not? God is blessing both the righteous and the unrighteous on a daily basis. It is not just the righteous who find themselves blessed by the Lord. Well, This morning... We're going to jump back into the book of Jonah. We had a blessing last week to be able to listen to a missionary couple and their family and hear about what God is doing, not just here in the United States, but around the world, more specifically over in the Solomon Islands. And I don't know about you, but it's a blessing to see how God can use people with who think they're devoid of the talents needed for a job and specifically calls them through many trials and many different ways to bring them to a point to be able to serve perfectly in the role that God has fit them for. It was encouraging to see Josh and his wife Katie and their children to be able to go through the things that God has brought them through over the last year since their college days to prepare them for the work in the Solomon Islands that they've been having difficulty filling. Not only that, the blessing that they homeschool their children, because they would have to do that as they mentioned. The one thing that Josh didn't mention that we actually talked about when they were uh, over at our house is the blessing that the missionaries that are serving in the Solomon Islands will have because now they also play as host family when those families come back off the mission field. When they come into the main base, now their children have other children to fellowship with and to enjoy. So it is a great blessing that their whole family is being used in the ministry that is over in the Solomon Islands. Now I'll quit diverging and we'll go back over to our text. So this morning we're going to jump back into the book of Jonah. And we're going to look specifically at verses 4 through 7 today. We're going to look at what I've entitled today, Anything Will Do. So we're continuing our series on the depths of God's compassion. And in looking at that, we're going to see that not anything will do. But in certain circumstances, that is what is gained. That is what is sought. Stop and think in your own life. And in that around you. And I know that we have all been through certain storms in our life. We've been through certain difficulties. Some of us are still going through them. Others of us are young in life and are yet to experience some of those. But we will all be guaranteed and all are guaranteed to go through a storm. At least once in our life. We will all go through difficult times. Because there's sin in this world. And because none of us are perfect. Because we fail. Oftentimes we fail to obey. Oftentimes we fail to act on that which we know we should. Oftentimes we forget to look up to the Lord and we look down at our circumstances and become overwhelmed. Oftentimes we don't see that sometimes our sin has a great effect upon those around us, whether for good or for evil. We forget to notice that God sometimes is just trying to get our attention. Not always is are storms due to our sin. Sometimes the storms can be due to others. Sometimes it can just be a storm. But there are storms in life, and we're going to look at that this morning, specifically in the context of the book of Jonah, and in the life of the Phoenician sailors. So let's read through verses four through seven together, and then we're going to dive in and get started. And it begins this way in verse 4. The Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up. Then the sailors became afraid, and every man cried to his God. And they threw the cargo which was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship, lain down and fallen asleep. So the captain approached him and said, How is it that you are sleeping? Get up, call on your God, for perhaps your God will be concerned about us, so that we will not perish. Each man said to his mate, Come, let us cast lots, so we may learn on whose account this calamity is struck. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word this morning, we know that we lack wisdom. We know that we lack understanding. And we know oftentimes we lack the sight to see what you are trying to stir in our hearts. So, Father, as we approach your word, we ask for humility of mind and heart. We ask that you will speak to to us, Lord, that as the bright sunshine outside reveals things that are cast in shadow when the clouds are there, we ask that your word would do the same thing, that your spirit would allow it to shine on the shadows of our heart, Lord. That we may surrender, that we may look up to you that we may see truth in your word and be affected by it. For we come to your word expecting to meet you there. Father, we come to your word expecting to be changed by it. We come to your word to learn to love you more, to learn to obey and to see what you have for us. And we also come because you are holy and you are worthy of all our worship. We just ask your blessing upon this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Jonah. A man of difficulties. A man of few words in this book. A man who has seen the depth of the ocean, so to speak. A man who walked through many storms. A man who ran from his God and ran from the compassion of his God. A man who despised God's compassion for others, except for his country. And yet a man who God used in a mighty way. As he used Paul to reach out to the Gentile nations. This morning we're going to go through verses 4-7. through We're going to march through them and we're going to look at four main points. We're going to look at first the setup. Then we're going to look at the response. Then we're going to move on to the request. And finally the result. Four verses and yet there's much here to look at. Just to give a little background a typical Phoenician vessel was a large vessel. It wasn't small. It was typically between 82 and 115 feet in length. Typically, they were about 13 to 16 feet in beam, or the width of the ship, and they were able to carry up to 450 tons of cargo. That's 900,000 pounds of cargo. These were not small. They were big vessels. They were stout. They were seaworthy. The Phoenicians have been kind of lost to history in a way. But they were a great seafaring people. They loved the sea. They loved everything in the sea. They traveled all about. They crossed the Atlantic. They opened up a lot of trade paths that are still unknown where they went. But there's a lot of evidence in history that they went much around the world. Over into India, over around in the Pacific a little bit, the South Pacific, the Indian Ocean, crossed the Atlantic to America, They traveled much on the sea. Their way was a way of sea life. They were great traders, and they coveted their secrets of where they came up with their goods, which is why not a whole lot is known. But we do know that when they built a vessel, it was a seaworthy vessel. A lot of times in this time period in history, people were afraid to leave the coast too far out because then they wouldn't know how to navigate, and they would fear they would get lost. Not the Phoenicians. The Phoenicians traveled out in the waters where they did not see land. They realized that by the currents and the wind, they could navigate the stars. So they were able to go where a lot of people didn't, or a lot of people were afraid to go. This is what we're looking at here. When it says the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, God is setting up something that caused great fear in people that were not typically afraid of the sea. These men were used to the sea. This was their trade. This is how they made their living. They were very comfortable upon the waters, which also made them good at what they did. They had a big ship with a big main center mast with a great sail. They also had double sets of oars on both sides of the ship. Took a lot of manpower to move them if there wasn't a good wind. And yet it is in this that God is setting up the stage. God is preparing the way to bring about his glory, but also to bring about the humbling of a man's heart. And I'm not just speaking of Jonah. As we will continue to move through the book of Jonah, we'll see that God has humbled many men's hearts outside of the prophet. We will see that God is calling men to repentance, to be revealing himself to others who may not have ever known him. We don't know how much the Phoenicians had in contact with the Jewish and Hebrew people who despised sea trade, who didn't like to go on sea trips. Yet, God brought a prophet. He brought a prophet to a particular ship. He brought a prophet to a particular people. God hurled a great storm on the sea. That word hurled means a complete and utter carrying away. For them to be scared, for them to have great fear and to be gripped in their fear, this storm was big. This storm tossed the ship about. They had no control. And yet it was because God hurled it. God carried them away in the great tempest of the sea. And yet, he did not allow it to sink. Oftentimes, God will put us in a storm that looks like it will swallow us up. And yet, God is still in control. God is carrying us through this storm for a purpose. In the midst of the storm, there's great wisdom and understanding to be found if we stop long enough to look. So the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, a great storm upon the sea so that the ship was about to break up. As I said, it was a great ship. It was a big vessel. Very seaworthy, very stout. And yet, It was not too big for God to move. It was not too big for God to carry away, to push it where he willed. God, who controls the sea, the winds, and everything upon the earth, moved this vessel. He also moved the hearts of the men. He moved Jonah to fall asleep, as we'll find out. He moved the Phoenician sailors to cry out in great fear. So now we're going to look at the response in verse 5. It says, and then the sailors became afraid. And every man cried to his God. And they threw the cargo, which was in the ship, over into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship, laying down and fallen asleep. So we have a great response. Fear is a great motivator for us to respond. When we're faced with fear, we will do one of many things. We can hide. We can run. We can fight. Most often we cry out. There's that old expression, you'll never find an atheist in a foxhole. And it's very true. For those younger who may not know what a foxhole is, is on the battlefields they used to have what's called no man's land because nobody would live in that land. It was a flat plain usually, and they'd dig foxholes so these big trenches that they could stand up in and not be seen. They'd hurl artillery at each other. Sometimes they'd try to charge across and get to the other person's foxhole. But it was a very scary place. There's a place of great fear. You never knew when that shell or that big piece of artillery would fall in where you're at. You can't see unless you climb up and stick your head above and take a chance. But it's in these great situations of great fear that God will prove your mettle. That God will prove your faith. That God will test your faith. Where are you at? Are you willing to stop and to look up and to say, Lord, I need you? Or are you going to be like the Phoenicians? We're going to look. Anything will do. Anything will be okay. Just any God that's out there, save me. And that's what they're crying out for. They're seeking any God. And the Phoenicians worshipped a lot of different gods, just like most of the pagan nations. They tried to appease them. They tried to do everything they could to receive blessing from these deities in their minds. And yet, we see there's no response. The wind continued to hurl. The seas continued to pound. When man is faced with death, he will look for anything to save himself. But this is also a great time of opportunity. When we find ourselves or others in the midst of a great storm, facing death, maybe not physically, but maybe in some way of the heart or the emotion, this is a great time and an opportunity to witness. This is a great time and opportunity to bring the truth of God's eternal power and help and compassion to those who do not have it. It is a great time for others to come and to look and to talk to you and say, why are you not scared? As we'll see later, that great question, why are you sleeping? Wake up. God puts the storms sometimes in our lives, not because of what we've done, but to wake us up. To wake those up around us. To give us an opportunity. As Mike and I love to talk about discipleship. These are those great moments of seeking out somebody who is going through a hard time. And lifting them up with truth. Lifting them up. Holding them up and saying your boat may be rocking and it may sink. But I know who's rocking your boat. I know who holds the power of both the storm and the sea and the direction of your vessel. This vessel wasn't being pushed towards land like a lot of the times in a, in, a, in a boat or a ship that is on the seas and they're getting cast about by the waves. A lot of times they get cast up upon a reef or they get sunk off the coast somewhere. Not this vessel. God was keeping it away from the land. God was keeping it out in the middle, which is amazing in and of itself. Normally a great wind and a great wave is going to push the vessel in a continued direction, usually towards land, because that's how the waves of the sea are meant to go. They go towards the shore. They break upon the shore. Not this one. God had a point and God had a purpose. And God has also blessed them with their favor. But they didn't know this. So the sailors became afraid and they cried out to any God, Who can save us? This is very reminiscent of Elijah on the... Mount Carmel. And the prophets of Baal, cry out to your God, he chided. Maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he went away on a journey. Cry out all the more. For a whole day, they cried out. They screamed. They cut themselves. They did everything they could to try to get the attention of their God. And did he answer? No. Why? Because he was a false God and he has no ears. He has no mouth. Did Elijah call out? Yeah. I'll tell you what. It was impressive. So these sailors are crying out. They're trying every God they have in their knowledge. I'm trying all these. I know these. Who do you know? You try. Do we not find ourselves doing that in life, though? When sometimes when hard times come or even when it's not a hard time, we look at other things. We put things in place of where God should be. We open our hearts of, hey, I'll seek after this. Sometimes we place a stumbling block in our road, and it causes others to fall alongside us. Jonah had a problem. He was running from God. Jonah was trying to hide. And had he not heard, there's nowhere you can go to be away from the Lord. But these sailors are enduring great fear and tribulation because of Jonah. We'll find this out towards the end. But Jonah was asleep. So what did they do? No God answered. So now what do you do? You start trying it on your own. They start throwing the cargo overboard. Now why was that important? Why was their cargo important to them? It was their livelihood. This was their trade. It was precious to them. There was a lot of wealth there. Think about it. Up to 900,000 pounds of trade goods. I don't know what it was. Could have been anything. But that's a lot of value in man's eyes. And yet, they started tossing it overboard. Why? Because when man is faced with the reality of his life, what is really precious? His life. Not this worthless goods. Not these things that aren't going to help me. Let's get rid of them. Dump them overboard. What cargo do we carry around? What baggage do we hold on to in our lives? Do we surrender? Do we give up? Do we toss anything overboard just trying to appease God to gain his favor? Do we, or do we actually empty ourselves of that which is truly not valuable because God doesn't value it? Do we seek God with a humble heart or do we come to him with pride? Do we seek God with boldness? Tempered because that boldness is because of Christ. It's not because of anything that we are. It's because of who we are through Christ. Do we empty ourselves of the extra cargo that we carry that we think is precious and valuable, but when faced with life and death, it, has, it holds no candle to the values that we find in Christ? This is what God is doing. He's helping these sailors see that there is nothing, one, that they could do to save themselves. There was no other God they could cry out to that would hearken to their word and come and rescue them. And there was nothing left, but where do we go? What do we do? They were at the end of themselves. And oftentimes, do we not have to hit rock bottom to look up? Oftentimes, instead of standing on the hill and looking up and praising God, we fall to the bottom. Lord knows I did. Lord knows there are so many people in my life, my mother included, that told me I'd never lived to see the age of 21. I'm a little older than that now. But oftentimes we must hit rock bottom before we look up because we're a stubborn people. Jonah was stubborn and others were paying for it. Do we seek to save ourselves? Do we hold back our cargo or do we empty it? Do we empty the things that we find value in, but not necessarily what God finds value in? The things of Scripture, the characters of Christ, are the things that are of eternal wealth and value. What does First Peter say? We have gained an inheritance that will neither rot nor perish, that neither thief can come in and steal or take away. Are we holding on to those things? Are we holding on to the temporary things of this life? Are we seeking God on a daily basis? Or are we calling out only when we hit a pothole or a storm? God wants more than just our cry and our circumstances. God wants our life, all of it. What did Jesus say? To him who seeks to save his life will lose it. But him who loses it for my sake will keep it. Their cargo was precious, costly, valuable. It took much time to gather that many goods. I'm sure it didn't take them one trip. I'm sure they've made a lot of stops to get a lot of cargo and a lot of value. They used it for their livelihood and their living. And now they were throwing it out because they found it worthless. When we encounter God, how much falls away is worthless? How much falls away is maybe what didn't hold as much value as I thought. This is the point God wants us to get to. But now we're going to look at Jonah because Jonah had a response in this storm. And what do we find? But Jonah was asleep. These men were enduring a great trial. He had a great opportunity to come out and to talk to them about who the God of the sea and the God of the wind was. But what was Jonah doing? He was sleeping. Now there's two ways to look at that. Jonah had faith in God who made the seas and the heavens and all that surrounds him. And was comfortable with going to sleep. Because he knew God was sovereign. Much very reminiscent of Jesus in Mark chapter 4. When he was on the sea with the disciples and there was a great storm. And what was Jesus doing? He was on a pillow, passed out, sound asleep, not worried about it. Why? Because he knows who God is. He knew who was in control. He did not worry about the things in life that worry us so often. And what did he tell the disciples? Ye of little faith, right? How often do we hear that? How often is that not true in our life? Because our reaction comes from a lack of faith. Our reactions come as a knee-jerk reaction instead of a, all right, God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to show me? Is there something I need to get rid of? Oftentimes, a lot of our trials, not all of them, because trials come because we live in a fallen world. But a lot of times, if we just look at ourselves and look at our heart in light of Scripture, God has something to teach us and something to show us. There's great wisdom and understanding in the midst of a storm if we take the time to look. So Jonah was asleep. The word sleep that is used here in the Hebrew means to cast into a death-like sleep. Very sound, very deep. Jonah, he wasn't just taking a nap. He was out. Verse 9 gives us a glimpse into his faith that he knew who the God of the sea was. But in stark contrast, Jonah is asleep when he should have been awake to the situation around him. God caused a great storm. Verse 7 will tell us it was upon Jonah's account that this storm was hurled. Jonah was asleep when maybe he should have been paying attention. Do we find ourselves sometimes like Jonah? Some bad circumstances are going around and we're oblivious to it. I know I have found myself in that situation. Something's going bad and everybody's around you freaking out and you're like, what is the problem here? And then it's like, oh, it's me. (laughs) God wakes you up. God shakes you up. And he should. Let us not be asleep when we should be awake. Let us not be content in life when we should be searching. Let us not be disobedient when God is calling us to do something. God equipped Jonah as he equipped Paul to preach to the Gentiles. Unlike Paul, Jonah ran. Let us not run. So Jonah is asleep. He should be awake. But he is awoken. In verse 6, so the captain approached him and said, how is it that you are sleeping? Get up, call on your God, for perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. So we're going to look at the request. The captain made a request. First, he made an accusation. How is it that you're sleeping? We're all up here throwing cargo. And that had to take a while to start throwing all that cargo over. It wasn't going to be just an easy. They didn't have a crane to hoist it all up and toss it off. They had to do this by hand. They had to take time and effort to get rid of it. They called out on every god they could think of. That might take a while depending on who you talk to. Some people know a lot more false gods than we do. But we also make our own idols, do we not? So they had all this time. And Jonah's asleep. The boat's going up and down and all over. And the captain says, why are you asleep? How are you sleeping? Well, here's a great opportunity for Jonah to witness, was it not? I'm sleeping because I don't need to worry about it. Because I know the sovereign God. Now He'll get down there after the accusations, when they find out it's his fault that this storm is raging. But the captain asked a most specific thing of Jonah. Get up. Call on your God. And perhaps he would be concerned about us. What a statement. What a request. It was a request of such great wisdom and depth, but the captain didn't even realize it when he asked. He was seeking for self-preservation. He was seeking, hey, we need to find out some God. Maybe you know somebody, another God that maybe can help us because we can't find one. Get up, call on him, and maybe he'll be concerned enough to save us. The concern of God was there before the storm ever happened. Do we look at the beginning? God orchestrated all these events. It wasn't a surprise that Jonah ran away. God had in store for these sailors a chance to meet the living God. A chance to hear of a compassionate God who is concerned over the hearts of of men, not just the Hebrews, all men. It was not God's second choice to open it up to the Gentiles because the Hebrews were too stubborn. God in the beginning told Abraham, through your seed, all nations will be blessed. Not your nation, not just Israel. All nations will be blessed. Salvation came through the Jews for all mankind. Jesus Christ didn't die just for the Jews. Jesus Christ died for everyone. He died for you. He died for me. And praise God that he did. Praise God it's not an exclusive compassion only for the Jewish people. Praise God we're not limited to 144,000 only. Praise God that he thought of you and he thought of me upon the cross of Calvary when he hung there and gave his lifeblood for every one of us because of what we did. Not because of anything that he owed. It's what we owed and we could not pay. It was all that cargo and baggage that we carry around on a daily basis when we live in the ignorance of our sin. That's what Christ died for. That's what he came for. And it's in this... That the captain hits on. Maybe he is concerned. Yes, God is concerned. Yes, God can use a ferocious storm where you think you're going to die. To bring you to the point of repentance and salvation. To give you a glimpse of his great power. To all you with who he is. Our God is great. Look all around you. All creation sings out. Praise God the rocks are silent today. Because that means there are people still praising him. You ever think about that? When Jesus said if man was quiet, the rocks would cry out and sing. Praise God the rocks are quiet. I've never heard one sing yet. And I don't plan to. Praise God they're quiet. Because he still has his children praising and worshiping him. We sang that great hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy. Yes, our God is holy. And yes, that's an uncomfortable thing for us. But he is holy. That's who he is. He's full of wrath. He's full of love. He's full of compassion and mercy. He's full of justice. And it was only in Christ that all of that was satisfied. God can use an unbeliever to help us to look at our situation through a spiritual setting. When the captain asked, Jonah, call on your God. You think that pricked his heart? Here's all these men that are in fear for their lives because of my choice. I ran away. I'm running from God, and God is shaking everything up because of me. Do you not think it pricked his heart? Yeah, there is a God who's concerned. He's concerned enough to send me to my enemies, the Assyrians, over to Nineveh, to the great city of sin, to preach to them, repent. John the Baptist preached repentance, and many were touched. Jonah was called to preach repentance, and these men are being touched. His disobedience brought about a great thing. And I'm not saying we should disobey so others may benefit. Don't take me that way. But in Jonah's disobedience, God even used that for good. Our perspective should always be a heavenly perspective in the midst of our trials. Because it's so easy to lose that perspective when the storms come and when our anger flares. Jonah was angry with God. Don't get mistaken about that. Jonah was angry. Jonah did not want to go to Assyria. He did not want to go to Nineveh and preach repentance. He wanted to flee. He wanted to run away and keep that compassion exclusive. Our faith should always be peculiar to those who are not of our faith. And it should be peculiar enough that they ask the question, what is different? Why do you have faith in the midst of that trial and that storm? How often has God used? hard times in our lives to reach out to those around us. I've seen it. I've had it in my life. It's not easy. And I'll tell you what, by the grace of God alone, do we endure it. But God uses that to reach out to those who do not know him. God uses that of a testimony of his faithfulness. It's not our strength. It's not our faithfulness. It's because of Christ. And it's because of Christ that we can use that as an opportunity to witness. We're able to stand and still have joy in the midst of this because God is good. How is God good? You're suffering. Let me tell you. We have never understood suffering like Christ endured suffering. And praise God, we don't. But take heart. Isn't that what Jesus said? Take heart because I've already overcome. We have nothing lacking. God has given us his spirit, he's given us his love, his compassion, his grace, and he's given us his word. Our God is concerned, let us also be. Now we're going to move into verse 7 and look at the result. Each man said to his mate, come, let us cast lots, so that we may learn on whose account this calamity has struck. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. God once again demonstrated by his sovereignty what was going on. Proverbs 16.33 says, The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. These guys wanted to know, who's the person we should be angry with? Who's the person on whose account this is happening so we can figure out a solution to it? And they cast lots, and obviously it fell right to Jonah. Why? Because Jonah was running. God will always uncover and expose our sins. Don't be surprised when it happens. I remember as a kid, my mom used to tell me that. Your sins will always find you out. Yeah, whatever. Let me tell you, they do. You young kids out there still at home, your sins will find you out. God intended it that way. Why? Because God wants to expose your sin so you look for a solution. God wants to expose your sin to bring about humility and change in your heart. God wants to expose your sin so that you can look to him. Eve. Our sins usually affect others around us, not just ourselves. You'll see that more when you get married. You'll see it more when you have children. Your children are a great mirror for your heart. Look at your kids and usually the things that aggravate you, usually they come from somewhere pretty familiar. Usually it's you looking at yourself. God uses so much around us to draw us to himself, to show his concern and his compassion. And God's sovereignty exposed Jonah's sin. He told these guys, it's his fault. The lot fell to Jonah. Jonah had to man up. Jonah had to become accountable for his sin now. And do not underestimate the power of accountability in your life. If you do not have somebody helping hold you accountable, find someone. If you do not have somebody there loving you and helping you through situations in life, find somebody. That's what the church is for. The church is to do life together. I've said it a lot of times from up here. Church is doing life on a daily basis together. Loving one another well. Serving one another. How's the best way that you can do that? Pray. God has chosen in his sovereign wisdom to use the prayers of his people to act. Does he need to? No. But he chose to. God chose to use the prayers of his people to act. When man prays, God acts. Not always necessarily the way we think he should, but in his wisdom it is perfect. The results of our sin should be to expose our hearts and cause us to confess, to cause us to turn from our sin. Accountability is a great way that's done. Prayer is a humbling experience. Why? Because it doesn't depend on us. When we pray, we reach out to God. Why? Because only God can answer prayer. Only God has ears to hear. Only God has a mouth to speak. Only God has eyes to see and expose our hearts. This is the point of the story of Jonah. There's so much of Christ in the book of Jonah. Why? Because Christ is the focus of Scripture. Christ should be the focus of our heart and our attention and our affections. Christ is preeminent in all things and when he's not expect to see a storm it'll happen you might see it off on the horizon and that might be enough some of us are really quick learners others of us are thick headed like me sometimes you can look afar and see a storm coming and be like oh okay got it thank you Lord others of us we got to go through that others of us still got to be woken up hey wake up dummy get up see what's happening you know what? All of us are different. Why? Because our God is creative. Because our God is great. But we are all made in his image. And therefore we are to love one another. Because we love our God. So let's wake up. Let's look at the storms around us and let us know that anything will not do. Only Christ and Christ alone will do. But there is great wisdom and understanding to be found in a storm if we're willing to humble our hearts and look to him who gives wisdom. Why? Because he is wisdom. And he's given that to us here in his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you that in the midst of the storms of our life, you have not left us alone. Even those times where the storm is on our account, help us to take accountability for that. Help us to stand up and take responsibility. Help us to confess our sin and be faithful to confess our sins to you, to one another. Help us to be quick to seek forgiveness from those we have wronged. Help us to be quick to love others with the love of Christ. To cry out and to help others see that you are concerned about their hearts and their souls and their lives. Father, help us to be faithful to your word and faithful to that which you are calling us to. And help us to be faithful to preach the gospel at all times and in all circumstances because it is the power of God unto salvation. Father, we thank you for this time this morning. We just pray that our worship is sweet in your sight. We just pray that you would be well pleased with what goes on in your church. And we just ask that you'll continue to lead your church well. In Jesus' name, amen.